Howdy, howdy, friends. Let's get um, unrowdy because it's Friday afternoon and what I need right now is calm. Welcome back to Gifted Gas Bag. My name's Mandy. This is my podcast. I ramble about whatever's on my mind. And goodness gracious, are we having a week? My God. Um, I am in southeast Queensland. I don't like to talk about where I am specifically because privacy, you know. But all you need to know is that right now it has been pissing rain all day, all of last night, and now everywhere is flooded. Um, I am fine. I am lucky enough to live in a, just by sheer coincidence, luck, I just happen to live on the top um, of like a a ridge that um, is high up. So there is zero danger of my home becoming flooded. I am very lucky. My, some friends of mine, some people that I know are not so lucky. Had I gone to work today, I would have been evacuated from the building, uh, like many of my colleagues were. Uh, if I had parked where I normally park to go to work, my car would have been lost. Um, so I got lucky. I've been very lucky and I'm very grateful that everyone that I've checked in with friends and family, everyone is safe. We're just stuck right now. Uh, roads are cut. I had plans to go out to my family's this weekend. And that's just not going to happen because even if I could make it out there, it would be a dicey drive. It would be irresponsible and risky. And then there's a very good chance that if I then tried to return on Sunday, I wouldn't be able to because as the water goes downstream, which is where my parents live, um, it will cut the roads off, um, which is the weirdest thing about flooding on the coast and flooding around the southeast areas is that it, uh, it starts off flash flooding in the lower areas and then or in some areas and then flows downstream so on a bright sunny day you can experience a flood because it takes a while for the rivers to rise anyway so i had plans i was going to go out to my parents i haven't seen them i didn't realize how busy a year this has been i haven't been out to visit them since christmas i'm a bad daughter (laughs) i'm a bad daughter There's been something on most weekends. Either they've been busy or I've been busy. So it's just been a bit insane. Um, On top of all of that, it's World War III, motherfuckers. I know that's the joke everyone's making, but it is serious. It is troublesome. Um, It feels not good. It feels stressful. And I'm going to tell you something that my counsellor told me today because my... I don't know what to call her. Look, her name's Erin. Therapist, counsellor, psychiatrist, you name it what you want, it all kind of fits the same bill. My, 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 my shrink? <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's just, let's, let's say therapist. I like the name therapist. Let's go with that. So my therapist um, said that, because I, I mentioned that I'd been staying up watching a lot of news and it was hard not to doom scroll Twitter because things were escalating in Ukraine so dramatically and so quickly it was like oh my god you know you kind of get caught up in the panicking about it or I do anyway and I said you know like I didn't get to sleep until 2am because I was busy doom scrolling and like getting freaked out by everything and she said like look it's natural to be alarmed it's natural to be concerned because it is a concerning situation did staying up until 2 get anything accomplished I was like, no, not really. <laughs> she said, what was the result of you staying up till two? And I'm like, well, I'm exhausted today and I'm very tired and I'm not with it and my memory's terrible because I'm missing sleep. And she's like, was it worth expending that energy, obsessing over it? And I'm like, mm, probably not. And she's like, yeah, like I'm not saying doom scrolling is a bad thing for you to do. Everyone's going to do that sometimes. 
But if you're really struggling and you can't seem to break yourself away from it, maybe set an alarm. Don't let yourself spiral for longer than an hour. And I'm like, ooh, you are good <laughs> coming through with all the with all the tips and tools to help me with, you know, life. Um, because I'd never thought of it that way before. You know, I've spent my whole life randomly spiraling over things or freaking out or having, you know, getting hyperfixated and getting anxious about stuff. God, you should have seen me, by the way, in November of 2019 when there was like news about some strange disease in China is getting a lot of people sick and the authorities are concerned and it's very contagious and it's very, very infectious, you know, and I was already like, it's, it's, this is going to be very bad. And I was already freaking out about it and panicking and like telling anyone that would listen, my four, my poor friends and family being like, Mandy, it's fine. It's just in China. And I'm like trying to explain to them. Yeah. But we have planes and people come from China all over the world and people from all over the world go to China. If they don't stop it, it's going to spread. And here's the thing. All of my obsessing and being paranoid and like panicking about what it was going to do. COVID happened. Nothing I worried about. Like none of my obsessive panicking did anything to stop that. And if anything, all it did was just make me very stressed for a very long period of time. And it took a lot of my energy when my friends and family and people I know would say to me, like, you need to just let this go, I'd be like, what's the harm? You know, what's the harm in me trying to prepare myself mentally for things like this? And this is the first time, like, yeah, the Aaron, my therapist, was just like, the, the harm is what it does to you. Which is such a simple thing I, like, want to scream. <laughs> She's like, the harm is that it takes your energy. And I know that you don't think about yourself um, and consider your own needs as often as you should, but that's important. If something's taking your energy, you know, it's, yeah, it make sure it's, it's something that like serves you, you know, or that um, helps you, or it's something that's worthwhile, that energy. If it's helping a friend or family member, if it's doing something good for yourself, if it's putting in a bit of extra work to like accomplish something, she's like, that's worth your energy. You just kind of have to pick your battles. What is your energy worth? Where do you want to basically the way I interpreted it is where do you want to spend your fucks if you're going to give a fuck make it give, maybe give a fuck about something important and yes I'm not saying that war in Russia war in the Ukraine World War 3 isn't important but to me today in the next hour in the next week is it going to make a massive impact no and that sounds selfish but it's self-preservation so there you go. Just a bit of advice from the therapist. You know, I figure um, if I'm getting these sessions, you guys may as well get something out of them too. Anyway, aside from that, I did actually record um, the episode of this podcast I wanted to upload, but then I'm just sitting here. I've just finished painting my nails and I was like, no, I'm in the mood to kind of talk. I sort of want to record a podcast now because it's been a crazy 24 hours. Um, it's been a lot. It's been a lot, friends. So screw it, I'll just re-record it. Uh, <laughs> what did I talk about? Well, the main thing is that I did get some more questions um, through the email. Thank you guys so much for sending questions. I love those. It gives me something to talk about. Um, giftedgasbag at gmail.com if you would like to send through any questions. Or, God, send me your life dilemmas. Send me whatever you feel like. If you're like, hey, Mandy might know what to do with my life. <laughs> As if I would. You know what? That's not true. I'm actually, I'm, I've got to not uh, put myself down. I am good at advice. I'm very good at advice. 
Um, am I good at applying that advice to myself? No, but you know what? I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress, aren't we all? Uh, Simone uh, sent me a lovely email. Uh, thank you so much, Lovie. I'm glad you were excited to hear me answer your questions. And um, she's given me some more questions uh, with the with the intention of not giving me the verbal whiplash of do I like pineapple on pizza and do I believe in the afterlife, which was last week's episode. So here are the questions. I'll run through them now. How did I find out about Santa? Ah, oh, this is going to sound like such a freaking gifted child bullshit answer, but I figured it out myself from watching movies. <laughs> I was too smart for my own good when I was a kid. I was a smart ass, and I, I it was either Miracle on 34th Street or The Santa Claus or a combination of the two movies where I was watching them and realized, wait a second... All these grown-ups are like, like, by the way, if you haven't seen those movies, spoiler alert, and also go and watch those movies. <laughs> Hang on. All these grown-ups are like, oh, you silly child. There's no such thing as Santa. Where do they think the presents are coming from? You know, like, canonically in these movies, Santa is giving the kids gifts. Are they just not paying attention when the kids are opening presents under the tree? In which case, inattentive and bad parents. Second... <laughs> I just was like, no, if, if suddenly gifts arrived under the tree and mum and dad didn't know where they came from, they wouldn't be like, oh, there's no such thing as Santa. And that was the first kind of domino of me being like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't, yeah, this doesn't line up. Um, and I kind of figured out from watching those movies with my parents, like, oh, okay, so basically he's not real, but kids like thinking he's real. Oh my God, if I've just ruined Santa for you while you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. If you've got kids in the car, I'm a terrible person. Don't listen to the crazy lady, sweetie. This is all fake. Peppa Pig. Bluey. <laughs> Who would be listening to this with the kids? Diana, God, I hope your son isn't listening. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's when I kind of figured that out. And um, But there's a bit of a plot twist to that. So I was maybe seven six or seven I was definitely in like the first year of school so let's say six seven years old I figured out that you know that uh and after that see I have a younger brother who I've mentioned before he is four and a half years younger than me I worked out or I had this idea in my head that if I told my parents that I didn't believe then the presents that would arrive from air quote Santa would stop arriving so whenever my brother expressed doubt in said red-hatted bearded man, I would convince him that there definitely was a Santa. <laughs> I was such a calculating little child. I was just like, no, 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 no. Because if you believe, then we keep getting presents from him. Do you see where, yeah. Um, do I regret that now? Yes. Uh, because... <laughs> Because my brother like had suspicions from the age of 10 and I think finally figured it out completely at either 11 or 12 that there was none. At which point I was like 15, 16 and stoked that I'd been able to get away this many years with getting gifts from Santa. I was ter I'm a terrible child, such a bad child. Um, And then I remember saying like, yeah, bummer, I've been kind of hoping that you'd keep believing so we keep getting gifts from Santa. And mum turned to me and was like, you know, we would have just written from mum and dad, right? Like, you wouldn't have stopped getting presents, you idiot. And I'm like, oh, really? She's like, yes. I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> I was so calculating and yet so stupid. <laughs> so there you go. That's when I uh, figured out about Santa. Um, what is your favorite? Oh, next question from Simone, by the way, so that you don't get whiplash. What is your favorite flavor of chips? I'm going to assume you mean chips in a packet. But side note, side note, I was playing VR poker last week and there was an American guy there um, who I've since made friends with and we play poker quite a lot now. Uh, him and a couple of other guys. When I said the phrase packet of chips, he lost it. He's just like, did you just call a bag of chips a packet? I'm like, yeah, it's a packet of chips. And they just kept cracking up like it was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. And he's like, who in the fuck calls chips like a bag of chips? A packet. And I'm like, I, I do, motherfucker. Is that weird? And I suddenly started second guessing everything. <laughs> it's, like, it's a packet of chips. Am I right? I feel like some of you are talking back right now, like going, no, he's the one who's wrong. I hope you are anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, packets of chips, like um, crispy chips. My favorite flavor, if all flavors were available to me, like this is a thing. Sometimes you have to think about what flavors are actually available in different shops. I love chicken flavored chips, like I'm a basic bitch. Love me some salt and vinegar. Um, my favorite chips have been discontinued, and it makes me very sad. They were kettle brand chips, and they were rosemary and sea salt, and they tasted like lamb roast, and they made me happy. So, those were my favorite, and you can no longer get them. Uh, when I was a kid, Thins had a brand, um, a flavor of chip called Smoky Bacon. And they do bring it back as limited edition sometimes. Like, I think it was recently back as a crinkle cut chip for a while. It was the chips my dad used to get, me and him. He'd get, like, a packet, put it on the bar, and we'd share it uh, when I would hang out with him as a kid. So, I like those. Um, the only ones i got to say I don't like, and this is going to be controversial, I do not like anything. Chips, I think, should be savoury. So, if they taste at all sweet, I'm not going near them. And I'm not talking about, like, the limited edition Lamington flavoured chips. I mean barbecue. There's sugar in it. They taste sweet. I don't like them. So, yeah, no, your honey baked whatever, your barbecue, your sticky ribs, anything that tastes sugary and kind of like they'd be sticky sweet, hate. Hate those flavoured chips. I also do not like... <laughs> Sweet chili and sour cream. I'm sorry. I know uh, sweet chili and sour cream fans are insane. Like they are people that like sweet chili and sour cream chips will defend that to the death. That it's the best chip that exists. They're very passionate and I respect it. I just don't like them. Like the chips, not the people. Oh my God. <laughs> I just don't like them. Um, but I have very a lot of opinions about chips. I'm a sucker for a t it's again basic bitch, but I'm a sucker for twisties. Cheese, cheese is a superior flavor of twisty. Yeah, you know what? That's probably it. Let's go cheese twisties as my my absolute favorite. Chicken, close second. <laughs> anyway, next question is: Who is your favorite band or artist? Oh, that's a loaded question, and that's going to be the next hour of this podcast. Buckle in. Um, my favorite band is the Foo Fighters based on consistency of output with their albums and their songs. They have never disappointed me based on accessibility and melody and lyrics, like definitely. Uh, and 
the mark, like I'm not a big rock fan, but the mark of a good rock band in my mind is one where you can strip the songs back to acoustic and they still sound incredible. And every Foo Fighters song I've ever heard fits that category 100%. By the way, Dave Grohl did Hot Ones. If you guys don't know what Hot Ones is, what are you doing with your life? I'm about to put you on something amazing. Hot Ones is a YouTube show. Uh, it is a show hosted by Sean Evans where he interviews celebrities while having them eat increasingly hot chicken wings. For the love of God, if you've never seen an episode, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but I hope the rent is cheap. Uh, go and watch it. It's amazing. Dave Grohl was on Hot Ones today and he put in such a good performance <laughs> and he's clearly a diehard fan of the show and was looking forward to being on it. So it was like amazing. And he answered some awesome questions. So uh, yeah, Foo Fighters would be my favorite band. Uh, I've always wanted to see them live. Don't think I ever will. But and I've been a fan of them since I was in high school. They did a performance. Do you guys remember like Foxtel Channel V? That was like a whole culture thing back in the day. Uh, yeah, I used to watch Channel V a lot as a kid in high school. And um, they would do performances in like, I don't know what the... <sighs> Wherever the big square is, I can't think what it's called. Isn't it? Is it King George Square or is it a different square? Federation Square? Federation Square? Yeah, I'm I'm not good with South South Australian stuff. Anyway, um, like New South Wales, Victoria. Honestly, I don't live there, so I'm not super familiar with it. I think it's Federation Square. Um, they used to have a lot of concerts that would be at like Channel V headquarters and like the Federation Square or whatever it was called. I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong. Would fill up with people, and the Foo Fighters was the biggest one. Like when they turned up, their big hits were like "Make Me Break Out" and "Learn to Fly," were like the songs everyone knew. And they came out and they rocked the socks out of it. Like they, more people turned up for that concert than any other before. And it was absolutely insane. It was so fucking good. And they were so good live. So ever since watching that concert, I was just like gobsmacked at how good it was. And I became like a, a pretty, pretty big fan uh, after watching that. So yeah, love me some Foo Fighters. There's heaps of other bands I like. But that would be the one that, like, I've never been disappointed by them, ever. And also never been disappointed by a single action of any of the band members. <sighs> Anytime Dave Grohl's trending, you know it's for a good reason. I just, I love that man. Anyway, Tenacious D is awesome. But again, like, some of their stuff I'm not big on. Um, what's another band I love? God. Fleetwood Mac. But that's like like that's sort of like going back a bit more. There's a heap of old bands I like, but that's easier. I think it's easier to like a lot of old groups because they've already been through the gauntlet and they're remembered by history for a reason. Like there's a reason people today like them. It's because they were able to stand out above the rest. So it's easy to just go, yep, like the Bee Gees are good. Duh, they were good. <laughs> but I feel like if you're not to gatekeep, but I my neighbor is a huge Bee Gees fan. And I know it's because, like, she liked them when they first came out and has followed them her entire life and has been a diehard fan of them since... She, I think if you go in on the, on the ground level with a band and they sort of stick with them, like, she definitely deserves more cred for being a fan than I ever do for, like, finding out who they were in the 90s because I saw a concert on TV once that they were, like, doing as a reunion tour when I was a child, you know? <laughs> like, she's a bit more of an intense fan than, than uh, I am for sure. Not that I don't love the Bee Gees, I very much do, but I'm not as diehard as she is. Uh, and so you said favourite band, that would be favourite band for sure. Favourite artist. Jesus. That's a very difficult one. I'm just going to rattle off some of my favourites because it's going to be easier. I love Hosier. 
I love Billie Eilish. Uh, and when I say, like, I like these artists or I love them, it's because I like every single thing they've put out. It's because I listen to them obsessively. It's because I know every word to every song. Not just, I heard this one song and it's kind of cool. Like, I am obsessed with these musicians. So, yeah, Hozier and Billie Eilish are two of them. Um, God, let me bring up my Spotify because I feel like that's going to help. <laughs> Uh, and what I'll do is I'll go to like my most played. I am really like in the last couple of years becoming a bit obsessed with Phoebe Bridges. Um, I'll hear her songs and think like, oh, that's a bit strange. And then everything grows on me and I can't stop playing it. Frank Ocean. Love Frank Ocean. Um, I think if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, you're not listening hard enough. I gotta be honest. She's putting out some of the best pop music that exists. And uh, disparaging it because it's pop is a stupid idea. Because it's popular for a reason. There's a reason people like it. Um, I've always liked Lady Gaga. Yes, even during the pop art era. <laughs> I've always been a big Lady Gaga fan. Um, you know, I'll even tell you the performance of Gaga's that convinced me that she was incredible was she did a performance. I will tell you what to Google to find it. She did a performance in Australia in Melbourne at the chapel. So it was Gaga live at the chapel and she did Paparazzi. And I think everyone's heard of that song. Yeah, Lady Gaga, Paparazzi, live at the chapel. Go look it up. Go have your socks absolutely knocked off by how incredibly well she did that performance. Like her voice nearly threw the, blew the fucking roof off the place. She does it by herself at the piano. And absolutely slays it. And that was when I was like, holy shit, that woman can sing. And when you listen to the lyrics and it's not sort of surrounded by the production, they're really good. Um, so, yeah, I've always been a big fan of her. Anytime an album of Gaga's drops, I will put myself in a dark room and listen to the whole thing. Um, Harry Styles. Yeah, you know what? I didn't know. I, I heard a song of his, didn't know it was him. When this is a really good song. And then it was from the latest album. The shit, was the album called? Oh, God, I forgot the name of the album. That's terrible. Oh, don't start playing it. Bad Mandy. What's the... Oh, what's the freaking album called? View album. Fine Line. Of course it is. Uh, it was a song from the Fine Line album I heard. And when I very much liked this, it was Golden. And then went and listened to the whole album. And it, I think it was... Yeah, most of the songs on that album are were on my top most played songs for the year because I just played the album over and over again. It's one of those albums that there's not a miss on the whole thing. You can listen to it all in one go. It's very cohesive. It's beautiful. Uh, and then I went back and listened to his first album and went, oh, shit, this is really good too. <laughs> so, yeah, Harry Styles actually is very good. And I uh, any covers he does, I really enjoy. So... Uh, if you sort of gone like, oh, he's One Direction or whatever. Yeah, no, I thought the same thing. Like, my niece was into One Direction. I didn't really get it. Um, I figured, like, I'm just too old for the boy band era or whatever. Maybe, like, because NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were my boy band era. Because I'm old. But, yeah, no, Harry Styles is putting out some pretty freaking awesome music. So, dig him. He's good. God, I could go on forever. I'd probably list off about a million artists. And some of them you might be like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> Like, um, Safia, I love, um, who else? Oh, anything Jonathan Coulton does. He's more of like a folk artist. One of my, okay, my favorite lyricist, like 
writer of songs of all time is Don McLean. And he's, I feel like most people just know he's, he's the American Pie guy. But if you go and listen to his music, especially the lyrics, they will rip your heart up. They're so fucking good. He's a poet who can also sing and play a guitar. So, yeah, no, I could go on forever. Uh, let's end that question or it will never actually end. Who's your favorite actor or actress? Ooh. Oh, my God. Um, That's a question right there. Favorite actor, actress. I mean... I think the impulse is to say Meryl Streep as actress, which is such a bloody basic bitch answer. But, like, she's popular for a reason. Again, guys, actually, you know what? You know what? I'm going to take Meryl Streep off the list. And I just heard a couple of people collectively clutch their chests like, what? Not Meryl. Look, she's still incredible. But there is an actress who can act circles around her. And there is not a single thing I've watched her in where I haven't been absolutely, like, gobsmacked at how good she is. And uh, Viola Davis. Viola Davis is unfairly good. <laughs> there is, um, like, I'm a bit of a movie nerd. I think I established that last time when I was raving about the Oscars, I think. Or was that the week before? God, I can't even remember. This is the sad part. I barely remember what I ramble about in these podcasts. And then you guys refer back to it. And I'm like, I don't remember what I said. I'm sorry. But, okay. So, Viola Davis. There is a movie called Doubt with Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, and Viola Davis is in a, in a like, not even a cameo. She has a small but important role in the movie. So she's not even on, like, the freaking poster. It's like Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams are the top three actors. Now, that's three really fucking good actors. The, the, the movie is based on a play, so you know the script is going to be incredible, right? And then the staging is going to be amazing. Um... It's one of those movies where what it's about isn't as important as how it's it's made. It's like even if you're not interested in the subject matter, it's such a beautifully made movie that it doesn't matter because it's so well done. It just kind of sucks you into that world, you know. Um, I'm going to check who directed it because I cannot remember off the top of my head. Doubt movie. John Patrick Shanley directs it. Um, it won a heap of awards. Okay, if you're not familiar with this movie, uh, I'm going to tell you what it's about. And it's, look, it's some dicey subject matter. So um, it is about, so Meryl Streep plays a nun, like an older mother superior nun at a, like, Boston Catholic school. Uh, you know, like, back in the day when everyone was taught by nuns and stuff like that, at, like those religious schools, and they would attend mass every morning, you know, that kind of deal. So she's very old-timey, very rigid in her ways and kind of, you know, starchy and, you know, all that sort of thing. Disapproving, looks down her nose at people through her glasses. You've got Amy Adams, who is like a newer uh, nun, like one of the younger nuns. Think Maria in Sound of Music. She's very optimistic and very hopeful. And then, you know, Meryl Streep's like, oh, you and your foolishness, you silly, like, silly young girl. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the newer... He's been brought in as the new father. He is a new priest Meryl Streep doesn't like him because he's kind of he's a bit more modern not not ridiculously like she's just very easily upset he's a bit more modern he does things a little bit differently and she just doesn't like change because she's old and stuck in her ways but what happens is that Amy Adams is teaching a class of students and one of the boys um 
gets taken out of the class by the priest, by the father, Philip Thema Hoffman. And he comes back and Amy Adams smells alcohol on the kid's breath. She tells Meryl Streep's character, the nun, Meryl Streep's nun character, very much like this priest cannot be trusted. Uh, something bad has happened. I have serious concerns and we're going to get to the bottom of this shit because, yeah, this is um, this is serious. Like, that's serious allegations. I already didn't like this guy and now I very much am convinced that he's a bad human being and has done some terrible things. I will leave it to your imagination to imagine what she thinks has happened. Okay, so the whole movie, it's called Doubt because it's about how once a bad idea or a doubt is planted in your mind, it's hard to remove it. And it's hard... In the absence of an absolute answer, it's hard to remove that doubt from your mind, right? So it's this genius kind of interplay between all of them trying to work out what's going on and um, the role, you're like, what has this got to do with Viola Davis? Well, Viola Davis plays the child's mother. Meryl Streep brings Viola Davis in and I don't think she's in the movie for longer than like maybe 12 minutes. Like, it's ridiculous how long she's in this compared to, like, the impact that her role has on the movie. She is in a scene with Meryl Streep, the freaking queen, like, the person everyone else just kind of, like, goes bows down to. She wins all the Oscars. She's incredible. You know, if you beat Meryl Streep and win an Oscar, holy shit, right? Viola Davis is in this movie as this boy's mother. Meryl Streep calls the mother in to talk to her and say, like, I have some concerns around your son and what I think might have happened. And I want us to, like, work on this together because obviously you'll be outraged and you'll want justice. And the mother's just kind of like, oh, OK, well, that's bad, but whatever. Um, can my son still come to the school and I'll just go to work? And Meryl's like astonished by this like why aren't you outraged why aren't you upset and it leads to a whole confrontation I won't spoil it if you want to go and watch the movie but when I tell you Viola Davis acts circles around Meryl Streep and look Meryl's incredible but holy shit you don't even care what Meryl Streep is saying in this scene you are just like riveted on Viola Davis she's so fucking good and so many movies she's in where she just I don't think even intentionally she just is those characters and she gets that scene so fucking good. She's in a movie with Denzel Washington as well called Fences. Up to you if you want to watch it. It's a kind it's hard to sit through. I will say it's a very long, very drawn out, very slow movie. It's all dialogue, it all takes place in one location. So it's it's a slog if you're not big in that, those kind of like dramatic, overdrawn, over talky movies. But Viola Davis is in it as Denzel Washington's wife. Denzel Washington was like nominated for an Oscar for this, I think. Yeah, no, no, he definitely was. She, like, outacted him. A hundred percent. It was incredible. Like, whew. So, yeah, can, can confirm Viola Davis is amazing. Favourite actor, like, and we're talking male actors. Goodness, I just watched The Power of the Dog with um, Benedict Cumberbatch with a friend, and it's been, it's one of those movies that stuck with me. And I kind of want to watch it again. Because... I did not give Benedict Cumberbatch enough credit for how good an actor he is. Um, you know, have you ever seen that show Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis? There's a blooper where Zach Galifianakis is talking to Benedict Cumberbatch and he says something like, are you glad that you have a British accent? Because if you didn't, otherwise people wouldn't be able to tell that you're a bad actor. <laughs> and I got I gotta be honest, that kind of stuck in my mind because he cracked up like it was a funny joke. The whole thing was just meant to be like a roast. 
but it stuck in my mind and I was like, yeah, you know, like he does the lines and everything, but sometimes he kind of overacts it and kind of overdoes it. The Imitation Game is a good example. He was really good in that movie, but there were scenes where he definitely felt like he was being a bit hammy and kind of overdoing it, where he didn't need to go that hard. But then, you know, I'm not an actor. Who am I to tell people what they're doing? But watching the, him in Power of the Dog, holy shit, he was good. I am just like, I don't know. Have you been eating your wheat bix boy? Like, my God. Um, Yeah, he kind of took my fucking breath away in that movie. Also, Jesse Plemons is another actor in that movie that anything I see him in, he always blows me away at how good he is. I feel like there's someone I'm forgetting. Sorry if I feel like I'm kind of hedging. I feel like there's an actor that I want to be like, this one is my favorite male actor, but I can't think of him. But I'd watch him in anything. Oh, um, <gasps> Gary Oldman. Gary motherfucking Oldman is incredible in everything he's in. It doesn't matter if he's doing a bit part in a stupid comedy movie. He will sell the shit out of it. He's so good. The first movie I ever saw him in was a Harrison Ford movie called Air Force One. By the way, that's a really good rainy day watch if you just want like a good action, kind of like a diehard vibe movie. Air Force One, super underrated movie. It's Harrison Ford as the American president going uh, from... I think he's actually leaving Russia. Yeah, either Russia or Chechnya, somewhere like that, somewhere in Eastern Europe. He's leaving that country to go back to America with his family. His family are on the plane, his wife and his daughter, and all of his staff and everything, and they're flying back on Air Force One. That's why the movie's called Air Force One. Gary Oldman plays a guy who gets on the plane as a, as a journalist. Spoiler alert, he and his friend are terrorists and they hijack the plane. I firmly believe there's a reason this movie isn't as popular as, as it should be. And I think it's because of what happened on 9-11. Because this movie came out and then 9-11 happened and suddenly plane hijackings were not something people wanted to watch. So... <laughs> Um, and that's that's fair. That's totally fair. Sometimes you just get unlucky with the things you're making movies about. In the movie, like, they're hijacking the president and they're hijacking the plane because they want to basically hold them hostages in the air to secure the release of a totalitarian dictator who's, like, basically like a Saddam Husseini, um, you know, kind of some Bin Laden-y, Putin-y kind of mashup of, you know, bad, big bad dudes that were locked away for war crimes. They want him released, right? General Raddick, I think, is the name they give to him. And Gary Oldman, as the lead terrorist, is the reason this movie is so good. When I found out Gary Oldman wasn't Russian, I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> the voice he uses, he is so creepy and intimidating. And beyond that, he does that brilliant thing that a lot of good um, villain actors do, which is he makes him relatable. No, not sort of relatable, but like he gives him a believable motive that you're like, oh, this guy isn't just being evil for the sake of being evil. Like a lot of silly 2D villains in movies, like he has genuine motivations. He has, he talks like to the characters about how he has a family. I have a wife and children. And if this man isn't released, you know, my family will suffer. I have reasons for doing what I'm doing. Like, they really kind of built that well. Um, so he thinks in, like, the threatening the president's family and to his face and being super creepy and intimidating is just the best thing he can do um, to help his family. So he's, like, he's monstrous and terrible and you want to see him go down. He's kind of, like, on the Rickman level 
of how good Rickman is as a villain in Die Hard with better motivation. <sighs> yeah. Highly recommend. Highly recommend Air Force One if you've never seen it. It's a bloody good movie. So, um, yeah, Gary Oldman. He's in so many other movies, but there's nothing Gary Oldman's ever been in that I've been disappointed to watch him in. He's really good. I'm trying to think of some other movies I really like with really good performances in them. Hmm. Here's the thing. Here's something interesting I'll say, and this is going to be controversial, so bear with me. I do not like Tom Cruise as a human being, and I am aggravated by the fact that if he is in a movie, I can forget that he's Tom Cruise in two seconds. <sighs> there are Tom Cruise movies I love to this day, despite the fact I loathe him as a human being, because I just think he's a bad dude. I'm not going to go into why. A lot of people know why. Um... He's not a good person. But <laughs> if I see him in a movie, like I love Cocktail. I love Jerry Maguire. I love, you know, like there's a lot of movies. I love Top Gun. There's heaps of movies I watched growing up where I just immediately forget that he is Tom Cruise and I am straight away just like, no, you are this character and that's all you are. He's aggravatingly, he's an aggravatingly good actor. So he's another one where I'm just like, oh, you're good, but you piss me off. Um... <gasps> another amazing actor. Okay, I'm going to rant, rant about this guy just a little bit. I won't go on too much longer because I think I've been talking for ages. Chiwetel, I'm going to I'm gonna say his surname wrong. Chiwetel Ejiofor or Ejiofor? I can't remember how it's, whether the J is silent or not. But he is in um, so many good fucking movies. Hang on, I've got to get the list here. He is the actor that just has this kind of gentle vulnerability and understated way of acting that just sucks you in you just kind of can't look away whenever he's like delivering lines or speaking um uh okay he is in where, where's his where's his filmography i'm just getting it up here bear with me um ah oh, he's you know the first thing i saw him in lola in kinky boots he was so beautiful in that. That could have been such a caricature. And he gave it such kind of... He did it genuinely. He did it sincerely. And he gave it heart and vulnerability and sweetness and modesty. And I freaking loved his character in Kinky Boots. And then everything I've seen him in since then, he has knocked my socks off. He was in The Martian. He's in Doctor Strange as Carl Mordo. Mordo. He's in... um. Oh my god, 12 Years a Slave, for which he won an Oscar. Um, god, uh, Dirty Pretty Things. He was in Four Brothers. He was in Serenity. He's in, um, yeah, he's amazing. Uh, if you haven't seen Chiwetelage before in a movie, go watch him in movies, because he's incredible. Uh, and he's a classically trained actor. Uh, so yes, he's another one I'll... Oh my god, he was in Armistad. He's in Love Actually. Come on. Come on. He I think that's right, he plays Kira Knightley's husband, the one that like the weird dude with the signs tries to steal her away like a creep. I can't believe we looked at that and we're like, that's so romantic. No, it's not. You're a fucking creep. What's wrong with you? <gasps> Children of Men. Oh my god, he's in Children of Men. Which is an incredible movie, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. If you like the third Harry Potter movie, that is the director of the same movie. This is about a world where uh, no child has been born in a very long time and the world's kind of falling apart because of it. Because suddenly infertility is a thing and the human race is in danger. 
And uh, Chi would tell AG4 is trying to help this pregnant woman because she's like the only pregnant woman in the world get to safety. And it's incredible. American Gangster. He was so good in that. Ah, he's in salt. Z for Zachariah. Secrets in their eyes. Um, yeah, he's the best actress. Best actress. He's the best actor you're not um, obsessed with yet, but you should be because Jesus, he's good. Mm. All right. I'll stop raving about actors and stuff. I think I'm still, where am I? How long have we been talking? 40 minutes. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, yes, Simone, you were correct. These will keep me rambling for a while. <laughs> uh, well, how to sign off. Things are stressful. Life is stressful in general. And I think we know by this point that things are not going to ease the fuck up and maybe go back to some kind of normalcy. It seems like we're just going to go through a different historical event every 12 weeks or so. So my advice is, I guess, to just spend your energy where it's useful. Uh, don't sweat the small stuff because it's a waste of time. And take actually take time to appreciate the good things. And do the silly little things that make you smile. Because if they make you smile, they're not useless and they're not silly. All right, guys, I will sign off and I will talk to you next week. Bye.